Welcome to Welcome to Whiskey and Wino. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, right now I'm I'm whining. <laughs> That's okay. It's hot. It's hot because I've been running around. I just got my second COVID shot today. Oh. And then I went to the grocery store, so my arm is sore. Every time I get the fucking shot, the whole two times, I can't move my arm. <laughs> but this time I was smart. I did my right arm because I'm left-handed. So. Oh, yeah. Well, no, you're supposed to do your dominant arm because the more you work it out, the less sore it is. Yeah, well, last time it didn't work out as well, so I thought Although we should I all the groceries both, should be working it out. <laughs> I've got both mine in my left, so I guess, and I'm, that's not my dominant, so I guess I'm... Yeah, you're not that cool. It's cool. Yeah. Do you feel okay? So far, that's, so good. Yeah, that's good. I'm okay. hoping tomorrow is uh, the kidlet's promotion ceremony i would like to be there for it oh god i fucking Christ. hate this promotion bullshit i have to do that for for my older one too what's super funny is if we move to this the town i want to be in like if i choose like I, I get a job there they do they don't do sixth grade like they have sixth grade so she'll get promoted again next year oh fabulous <sighs> but Christian keeps telling me, well, all the old people I work with, none of them had symptoms. I'm like, well, good for them. I felt, they don't know any better. They have symptoms 24-7. I slept like shit my second oh, shot. really? I slept like shit. I think I had a little bit of a fever and it broke while I was sleeping. It was, I was just miserable all night. Like, I, it was garbage. But it was okay. I mean, it wasn't anything not tolerable it just was uncomfortable but I still you know got up and I felt okay after I got up other than wanting more sleep but my sister she felt kind of crappy the next day but like you said she still went to work and then my aunt who's older she felt like a train hitter so I'm hoping I'm hoping for the best because I have plans tomorrow going shopping yeah. with my mom so don't want to ruin that Oh, that's important shit. All right. Well, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about, well, we're kind of doing West Virginia because I am doing the Mothman of Point Pleasant. I'm excited for this. It was pretty cool. And I found a stuffed Mothman on Amazon. If anyone wants to buy it for me, it's $16.99. God damn it. I figure that I have, I have a Bigfoot from Oregon. I have a Loch Ness from Scotland. So now I'm collecting stuffed animals oh for the paranormal. God. Yeah, so right. they have a mothman. Oh, and I'm going to say this in my article anyway, my article, my whatever. They have a mothman museum in West Virginia, and it's only five hours from me, and I so want to go. I'm, like, super stoked. I want to go. That would be rad. That would be super rad. And it's the only one in existence. So, anyway, ugh. I have to take off my glasses to read my um, sources. So I watched this documentary on The Mothman of Point Pleasant, which is free on Amazon Prime. Oh, I'm sorry. It's called The Mothman of Point Pleasant, Mothman, the Facts Behind the Legend. And I'm, yeah. And that's by Donald Sargent. It's a book. I got a little bit from The Mothman Prophecies. I didn't read the book, and I'll explain why later. I read the first few chapters, and, of course, I saw the movie with Richard Gere. And that's by John Keel. And then I watched... Paranormal Witness on Sci-Fi, which we'll get there, too, because that's pretty funny. And www.explore.com. Yeah, it, it'll tell you at the end. It's funny. Okay. So, Point Pleasant, like I said, is in West Virginia. It's oh. got history. Wait a minute. Wasn't there something we were supposed to say that... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, from our past episode, you talked about um, uh, that poor man that was imprisoned... Falsely, we've decided. Oh, right, right. The, the blood spatter. Yes, blood spatter guy. Um, mm. He's out of jail. He's out of prison. I believe he's awaiting another trial, but he is out of prison right now. Okay. That's the good thing. There's a little update. Yes. Good. So, like, good for him, but obviously he still claims his innocence, and we all think he's innocent, too. Well, I don't know what the, the listeners think, but I do. Erin so. speaks for all of us now. She speaks for everyone. I am now the speaker of everyone. Oh, all right. 
Okay, so Point Pleasant's in West Virginia. It's in the Ohio Valley, and it's separated by, um, it's not really separated, but it's, um, Point Pleasant is separated by the Ohio River and the Kanawha River. It was established in 1774. Obviously, Native Americans were already settled there and were being pushed out by white men, because that's what our history does. The -hmm. chief of the Shawnee tribe was named Chief Cornstalk. He asked the Mingo tribes to join him in defeating the trespassers, which, you know, were the Americans that came over from England, which sounds weird when I say it like that. Of course, they weren't Americans. No, they weren't Americans yet. We're not America yet. 1776, but they were, you know, they were over there trying to claim the land. Um, The colonists. Shut up, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) So, Chief Cornstalk got all these, um, got the Mingo tribes. We're going to go defeat these guys. And unfortunately, they brought knives to a gunfight. So, 230 Native Americans were killed and 50 white men. Yikes. Chief Cornstalk surrendered. He didn't want to lose everybody because they knew they would come and kill their women and children and kill the rest of his tribe. So he went to Fort Randolph, which is either in Point Pleasant or right outside it, to discuss a peace treaty. And unfortunately, he got there and some other troops were attacked by another Native American tribe in the same vicinity. So he took the blame for it and he had gone there with his two sons and they were captured and murdered. Oh, no. So did they know he was from a different tribe? Or? They did. They're just punishing him because he's a Native American. Fuck. Yeah. So his last words were to curse the land of Point Pleasant for the next 200 years, that the town be stricken with hard times and sorrow, and this cursing to work. That's probably <laughs> the nicest thing he could have done. Right. Like, out of all of his options. <laughs> like, he really wanted to make peace because he wanted his people to live on, and that didn't happen. So let's flash forward to World War II. In 1942, the McClintock Wildlife Area was turned into a TNT manufacturing plant. So they had these large steel igloos, or bunkers, depending on what you want to call them, but they look like igloos, were built into the land and covered with grass and shrubs, so you were unable to see it by air. The steel and reinforced concrete igloos were built with steel doors to prevent and withstand a tremendous type of blast. So the entire area used by the Army for protection of the TNT was approximately 8,320 acres. Once the war ended, the the plant closed, and guess what? The entire area, including the soil and water waterways, were contaminated with the TNT explosive chemicals, byproducts, and asbestos. And not only were the chemicals from the TNT plant, other companies decided that was going to be their new toxic dumping ground. So a lot of toxic waste was dumped there. I mean, might as well, if there's a little, might as well be a lot. Maybe we're so, trying to get some, like, Ninja Turtles and Bebop and Rocksteady. Like, that's you know. Kind of, that's why I'm even telling this part, Why? just in case. So anyway, the government tried to decontaminate the site. They gave the land back to Point Pleasant, and they declared it the McClintock State Wildlife Management Area. I think it's well, McClintock, not, I keep saying talk. But I think it's McClintock. Because I think McClintock is from like Lethal Weapon or some shit. No, it's a John Wayne movie. Oh. It's um, um, that's um, Jesus Christ. I love Lethal Weapon movies. It's a uh, Murtaugh. Murtaugh. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you just solved Moth- Mothman, right? I think so. That's why I brought this part up. I figured it was kind of important. Yeah, Although, as late as 1981, the EPA discovered red seepage and in the soil and in the water and that it was heavily contaminated. So in 1991, they treated the area and felt that it was safe for people to continue to live in. So anyway, so there's a little tidbit. So on November, I wrote on November miles. I don't even know what that means. On November <laughs> 1966, Five men were digging a grave in the cemetery. They were burying Kenneth Duncan's father-in-law. And apparently it was, um, you do it yourself. <laughs> they don't have what grave year diggers. was it? 1966. 1866? 19. Oh, 19. You keep cutting out. 1966. Well, I mean, it's West Virginia. They probably still do it yourself. <laughs> do it yourself. Um, so this was in, my glasses are all foggy. 
This was in Clendon, West Virginia, which is approximately 80 miles from Point Place. Point Place. Jesus! Point Pleasant. I'm so afraid I was going to say that, and I said it right off the bat. Um, anyway, these five guys are digging this grave. They saw this figure fly through the air. They said it was seven feet tall with the head of a man and a body of a bird with giant red eyes and a wingspan of an approximately 12 feet. Oh, my God. The creature was just gliding over their heads, and after a few minutes, it flew away. The men all agreed that they all saw the same thing, but they only mentioned it to close friends. You know, they didn't want to be weird and have people <laughs> think they're crazy, and they just told some of their friends, like, dude, I saw this bird man. Um, on November 15th, which is somebody's birthday, I know. Yeah. Linda Scarberry, her new husband, and another married couple drove up to the TNT area, which is, um, that's how they refer to it in Point Pleasant. Okay. Um, it's a lover's lane, so, like, that's where the teenagers go to make out or, you know, do what teenagers do. Neck. 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 Yes. Neck. <laughs> <laughs> So it was really cold that night, but not foggy or anything super, you know, crazy. It was clear. The top of this hill in the TNT area. I don't even know what the fuck I'm reading here. Anyway, we might have to edit this part. <laughs> Linda, her new husband, and another married couple. So they're in their early 20s. Okay. 1966. Okay. So there's four people. So they drive up to Weber's Lane, and they come up the hill to the TNT area, and the headlights of their car capture this creature. Linda describes it as approximately seven feet tall, visible wings on its back. The wing tips could be seen over the shoulders. So I picture so like, like an, <laughs> I was going to say like an angel, like it's a man with wings versus like a total moth body. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. It's got like legs and arms like a person, but it's got these wings. Actually, I don't know if it has arms. I'm huh. assuming it has arms. I don't know. I mean, how do you get a grip shit? Well, moths have uh, feet and, like, arm. You know, like, it's not, they're not, like, you know, they have things they stand on, right? That's the point. They have, like, four leggets or leglets, whatever they call them. Leggets. Nobody says let's at the end of all their words. I do. It's funny that Mothman and not, like, not, like, Birdman or Batman or... Angel Man, like it's funny they picked Moth, and I don't really have a reason why. I don't know. Maybe it's drawn to light. Hey, you know, that could be. And they say that the body was really slender and really muscular, so it's like a a beefed out Mothman. A beefed out seven foot tall Mothman with twelve foot wingspan? No, thank you. Yeah, and she said that the wings were ashen white, and that the muscular man was flesh colored. You know, it wasn't. Like moth covered, I guess you'd say. <laughs> the face couldn't be seen because the giant glowing red eyes wouldn't let you see the face. It's like if you looked at the eyes, they seemed to hypnotize you. So it was hard to look away and like to check out like his face. Right. The creature later deemed Mothman and will now be called Mothman from here on out. Um, looked right at them. One of his wings seemed to be caught on one of the electrical wires close to the power plant. He was pulling on his wing with his hand, trying to free himself. Linda said she could tell he was scared and thought they were going to hurt him. They stopped the car and just stared at him. Because what else are you going to do, right? Drive away? Suddenly, like you said, suddenly everyone in the car was screaming, go, go, go! But they couldn't seem to leave the scene. Like, they were just mesmerized by it. Finally, Mothman got his wing uncaught and ran into the nearby power plant. Linda said his movements were smooth and not mechanical and made no, no noise at all. So, of course, they wanted to follow it. So the Scooby gang followed it into the power plant where it killed everyone but Linda in a bloody massacre. What? No, that didn't happen at all. I totally made that up. You're such a <laughs> bitch. I hate when you do that shit. <laughs> uh, actually, they were too scared to chase it down, as one would be. So after half an hour, they decided to go to the police. So the police station was about eight miles away. And as they drove down Highway 62, they saw Mothman just sitting on a traffic sign. As the car's headlight hit it, like hit Mothman, it shot straight up into the sky without using its wings. They continued their journey, but Mothman followed them. Mothman jumped on the top of their car a few times. So obviously that scared the fuck out of them. 
Oh, shit. It does like light. It was following its headlights. <laughs> so they started driving over 100 miles per hour, and he was catching up like no problem. Like, he wasn't struggling. He was just like, hey, I'm right here. What's up? He's like waving in the windows. I don't know well, if he was waving at the window. Fucking wingspan. That's like bigger than a pterodactyl. It's probably just gliding all over the place. Yeah, she's just like, I can catch up. You drive as fast as you want, man. So they get to the police station, and he's no longer following them, of course. And the police first ask, have you been drinking, taking drugs, taking hallucinogenics? Because it is the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I locked first. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were obviously terrified, so the cops believed that they saw something. They didn't quite believe it was what they said it was, but they knew they saw something. Like, mm-hmm. they believed them. So after the police report, Linda saw the creature at least 18 more times. Whoa. The one sighting that sticks out to her besides the initial sighting um, was about a month later. She was at home in her room, and she saw it sitting on the roof. He had his legs drawn up with his wings around him like he was cold. He seemed really lonely, and Linda came to the conclusion that it wasn't trying to hurt them because it had really a lot of opportunities. Linda herself knew over 40 people who saw Mothman after they did. So one family claimed he was standing on their front lawn. When they tried to confront it, it chased them into their house. A 14-year-old girl was driving with her brother when he ran out in front of the car, jumped on their hood, and just stared at them. What? Another witness named Connie, who was an 18-year-old, really shy teenager, was driving home from church on November 27, 1966. It was about 10.30 a.m. She suddenly saw an extremely tall gray man standing on the side of the road. It had red glowing eyes. She couldn't look away from the eyes. Then it unfolded his wings, ran towards her car, where it jumped up into the sky. Connie's eyes were red and burning. When she went to the doctor, she was told she, she had conjunctivitis, and it took two weeks to heal. So here's a quick pink side eye, right? note. Conjunctivitis? Yeah, pink eye. Yes, okay. pink eye. So it's just a side note, something I did not know, that a lot of people or maybe half the people that see UFOs and look into the lights have that same common issue. So maybe it's like a radioactive light. Yeah, they they get conjunctivitis, but it's it's like it burns their irises. I don't know. I don't know the fucking technical terms of all that. But That's I a bacterial to, infection. But that's it causes that. It's not rare. Let's put it that way. Maybe the all of those people I'll use each other's <laughs> mascara. <laughs> I was going to say maybe they don't touch their butts. I don't know. Stop where you get pink eye. It's not from butt touching. I don't yes, it is. You can get pink eye from feces. That's disgusting. I don't want to talk about this I'm, anymore. I've had I'm pink not, eye, and it's not pleasant. No pun intended. You have to get it from touching your butt. I'm just and saying. Dumb tweakers fucking makeup, and that's what happened to me. Well, fucking serves you right. That's yeah, glad. Yeah. That's the only thing that happened yeah, to you. Makeup. Don't <laughs> fuck with speakers, period. Just. <laughs> it's like 19. Whatever. All right. As a matter of fact, over the next year, hundreds of people saw Mothman. Like, that was the great thing. Like, it wasn't like just a few people saw him. Like, a lot of witnesses saw Mothman in Point Pleasant. Um, there was actually a lot of unexplained phenomenon going on at the time. So first, there were a ton of UFO sightings. Like, everyone had a story about Mothman or UFOs, and most of them seen up at the TNT area. Of course, news of Mothman and the UFO sightings made the national press. People were flocking to Point Pleasant to hope that they could see a UFO or a glimpse of the Mothman. Unfortunately, unfortunately all of this activity also brought in the men in black. So of course. Throughout modern history, any time there's a hot spot for UFO activity, these strange government men show up, and they've just been deemed... I didn't know Men in the Black was a real thing. I thought yeah. it was a movie. I didn't know it was, like, a thing until we've been doing this podcast. Mm. I purposely did not read the Mothman Prophecies because John Keel wrote it to connect the alien connection and the MIBs. So I didn't want to go into all that because we just finished Alien Month and my story would span over weeks. So I'm just going to kind of not go over the UFO stuff or the Men in Black. So I'm just going to deal with Mothman. So just so everyone's clear. I know there was other shit going on, but I'm only dealing with Mothman. Gotcha. So, suck it. 
<laughs> Many stories came out about those men in black around town. They seemed to be foreign and not from our time. They seemed to dress kind of old-fashioned, and they used a dialect from an earlier time period. They seemed to smile continuously at weird moments, like moments that's not necessary to have, like, a big grin on your face. <laughs> um, but Mothman Prophecies is a nonfiction book. He connects all these stories. So if you want to read more about it, there you go. Right. That's what you need. So this leads us to the tragedy at Silverbridge. So on December 14th, 1967, Mothman was spotted on the Silverbridge. He was just chilling on top of it. The bridge was built in 1928. It connected Point Pleasant, West Virginia to Galapolis, Ohio. The Ohio River ran underneath it. Galapolis. That's Galapolis. a Yeah. At the time, it was a state-of-the-art suspension bridge. It was almost 40 years old, which is not old for a suspension bridge. And just to give you a little example, the Brooklyn Bridge is 152 years old. The Golden Gate is 88 years old. And the Coronado Bridge is 54. Hmm. The old suspension bridge in the U.S. is in Delaware, and it's 174 years old. Damn. So years old is not old for a bridge. So okay. on December 15th at 5 p.m., tragedy struck. People were coming home from work. They were doing Christmas shopping. They were on their way to Christmas parties. It was a Friday evening, and the light right before the bridge happened to be out, so traffic was stopped on the bridge. Oh, All of God. a sudden, the bridge swayed to the left, dumping half the cars into the river below. Then the bridge swayed to the right and dropped the rest of the cars into the river. Then the bridge fell on top of all the cars that had fallen in the river. Oh, my God. 46 Talk people about died. Work night work there. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I'm not afraid of bridges, but now maybe I should be. Um, um, there's a bridge, and I know you know it. It's in, like, San Marcos, Escondido area. And if you're going north on the 15 freeway and you are trying to get on the 78 freeway east. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it's the bridge that goes over there and when I <clears throat> when I used to work in San Marcos I would have to go over that every morning and it's fucking rush hour and it would just be packed trying to get over the bridge and I always went up another exit and went around the back roads because I refused really? yes it's fucking earthquake territory here I'm not sitting on a bridge I'm with you I used to get paranoid on overpasses and stuff because remember when the LA earthquake happened and what was it like 90s 394? No, it was like 80, 89 or something. No, the one in Northridge was in 90. Yeah. That was San Francisco. I'm talking about Northridge, LA. Oh. That mm. freeway, that cop drove right off the bridge. Okay. Because it collapsed and he didn't see it because it was still dark. I always think of that. I always think of earthquakes when I'm on overpasses, at least when I lived in California. Now I'm worried about tornadoes. So. Yeah, no. I just. You got a whole new grip of worries, too. A whole different fucking animal I got. I got blizzards and tornadoes. So 46 people died. Nine survived. Some bodies were never found. The, I told you the town was 5,000 people. So everybody knew someone on that bridge. The cause of the collapse was totally scientific. It was actually a failure of a single eye bar in the suspension chain. There was a crack in the eye bar that over time and weather and the weight being carried over the bridge, weakened it enough to break. Holy shit. You're telling me that one single thing that's in the suspension out of all of them. Yes. It caused a terrible domino effect when that one broke. That is terrifying. It is. Um, a silver lining, no pun intended, because it is a silver bridge, is that this caused the U.S. government to create a national bridge inspection program. Unfortunately, it doesn't boost my confidence because it's the fucking government that is in charge of it. And if you ever like, if you ever want to read up on like bridges that need to be repaired and shit, our infrastructure in general, it's terrifying. It's terrifying because there's so many bridges that need to be reinforced that fail. Oh my god, it's terrifying. Oh, no, thank you. So no one blamed Mothman, as far as I know, for the collapse. Well, maybe some people did. I did not. <laughs> I was saving around then. I didn't blame him. Um, <laughs> although after the bridge collapsed, the Mothman sightings dwindled down to nothing. UFO, UFO activity went down, and the town was just left to grieve over their losses. The Mothman has been sighted in other locations since. He tends to show up 
right before a disaster strikes. And here's some examples. Mothman was seen in April 1986 in the Soviet Union. What happened on what happened on April 26th? Do you know? Wait, hold on. Mothman was in Russia. I did not know that he was international. Yes, apparently he is. Point Pleasant seems to be maybe I guess a starting point. I don't know. Maybe it's so just he wasn't. He wasn't just, anywhere. He wasn't anywhere before West Virginia. It's hard to say. I mean, we didn't have social media. We didn't really have TVs. I mean, we did in 1966, but. Right. Um, we weren't sharing all of our knowledge with everyone. Right. So there are there are stories of him being seen before, but he seems to be kind of like a, um, a hairbinger of death kind of thing. Mm. Okay. April 26th of what year did you 1986? say? 1986. 1986. I don't know. That was Chernobyl. Oh, he was seen by workers flying above the nuclear power plant and they called him the big blackbird. Wow. So he's at power plants because he seemed to hang out in the power plant in West Virginia. So you might be right about the light thing. Or radiation or, or like, radiation, yeah. right? Like, like the whole, we don't know, gamma rays, radiation from the TNT. I don't know. Um, so September 6th, I'm sure you can guess this date. September 6, 2001, a large crane figure was seen near the Twin Towers. Oh, Five no. Years later, the towers were collapsed by two commercial jetliners. And if you don't know what date that is, you guys get the fuck out from under rocks. Just get the fuck out, period. <laughs> Just get the fuck out. <laughs> July 2007, a large bird-type figure was spotted sitting on the bridge of Interstate 35 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. On August 1st, the center gave way and 32 people died and 145 people were injured. April 10th, 2009, residents in the city of La Junta in Chihuahua, Mexico, noticed a strange creature in the mist. He was tall and hairy with large wings and giant red glowing eyes. Shortly after the sightings, the village had a huge swine flu breakout. So who is Mothman? Is he the curse of the Shawnee? Chief Cornstalk gave. Was it the contamination from the TNT factory made by Mothman? Totally. Is that why the UFO sightings were so crazy? Like maybe that was like their pet that escaped or I don't know. Their pet that escaped. Okay. If I may, my theory here about this TNT vat of toxins. If you are an extraterrestrial person, and you have the ability to look at the earth and figure out where you're going to land. And you land in, you know, the unpopulated areas, as we've talked about multiple times. Then you have an idea of how to, like, heat seek and, like, see where populations are and, like, light densities and that sort of stuff. What if they were attracted to Mothman because he had so much radiation? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I want to tell you about the paranormal witness on sci-fi about Mothman. Okay. He's always been, you know, no one's ever said he's attacked him. He's never been aggressive and mean. So this, this story makes me wonder a little bit. So this couple takes a drive to Point Pleasant. They live like a few hours away. And this guy tells them, um, like a shop guy, hey, if you really want to see this Mothman guy, you need to go up to the TNT area and go into a bunker. Take a tape recorder, because if you talk to it, you'll hear it answer back on the recorder. So first, I find it really hard to believe that you could just walk into one of these bunkers. Like, you think they would be locked and have, like, big, thick chains around them? They wouldn't just let people wander in? There's also, it's very concerning to me that a random person says, walk into this bunker, and someone decides, nothing bad could happen from that. Like what happens in horror movies when the local weird guy's like, hey. Right. It's probably he and all of his ridiculous buddies down there. Like, watch this. Let's lure this this couple down there. Fucking walked out. Taking a shot to that. Okay. So they go into this bunker. I'm sorry. I'm on the wrong page now. I need to get my shit together. Seriously. They go and they do that. They go home the next day. They get the shit on the recording. Like, he's like, hey, who are you? What, what's up? Who's here? And they hear on the recording, like, I'm here. What's up? 
he probably doesn't say what's up. But he's like, I'm here. So, whatever. They got scared. They took off. So they get home, and all this weird shit keeps happening. Like, the electricity is going off, but there's nothing wrong with the wiring. The bathroom door handle, the wife goes to walk into the bathroom, and it's burning like there's a fire on the other side. Oh, no. She goes and gets her husband and is like, dude, there's a fire in our bathroom. So he busts in there, and there's no fire, but there's this giant bird claw hand on the mirror, like in this black goop. (laughs) What? Um, Yeah. So um, then the husband's driving. He's out in the middle of the fucking woods, because God forbid if someone's not always in the middle of the woods at midnight, and his car just stops working. And he hears this weird screech, and he feels like someone's watching him. And then all of a sudden, his car starts 10 minutes later. He's got no phone service, blah, blah, blah. Um, the usual. So then they keep they hear this, like, clattering in their kitchen. And they get up, and all their silverware has been bent and thrown on the floor. Like, bent in half. That's just unnecessary. Totally. It's rude. Who's so doing been, that? Do you know how expensive silverware is? Yeah, sort of. It's really not, you can get it at the Dollar Tree, but, you know. Yeah, but, like... Good get it from Macy's, yeah. You know, you like on your register. You can put it in the dishwasher and shit. Yeah. I'm still using my uh, silverware from my wedding. That's the one thing I didn't get because they were so expensive. Nobody's like, here, I got you a knife, fork, and spoon <laughs> for 50 bucks. Yay. So, yeah. yeah. Well, if you get four people, then that's great. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. The problem, though, you have to get four people. <laughs> I had to buy two of my play settings. I only got two, and I had to buy two more. So I could at least have more than two people at my house. I know. Well, I got got you something that was way more fun, so you could just entertain a bunch of people. I mean, no silverware. I was smarter on my second wedding. Yes, your present was fantastic. It's a CD player, record player, and cassette player. And a radio. Um, It also, it was on the registry. I just want to point out. It was on the registry, yeah. I don't like when people buy stuff that's off the that's off the registry, but you have no idea if they like. Like I could have probably bought you something off the register, like that was not on the registry because I know you very well. But like I always find it weird when people are like, "No, I know you. I'll get something that you didn't even think to register for." On babies, I will buy them something off the registry, and then I'll do something Aaronish. Yeah, like, you will. Chickens um, love tacos. You know, they usually get the book with the stuffed dragon because mm-hmm. of tacos and dragons. Or Metallica lullabies. Or Metallica lullabies, which is true. Those are the two gifts I almost mm-hmm. give out. Always. Mm-hmm. That's true. I actually gave both of those to my niece, so that's funny you brought up the Metallica lullaby. <laughs> People think that's badass, okay? It it's is badass. Cool. It it's is actually good. really super cool. The um, Sandman. <laughs> but it's all in lullabies, so it's not yeah. hardcore. But one thing we were talking about wedding registries, I had some lady, she's dead now, so I can tell the story. She's not listening. <laughs> she got me this, I think it's because she knows I like Ireland, Irish. She got me the ugliest fucking pig cookie jar. It's the ugliest goddamn thing you'll ever see in your life. And I used to put it out in my, I had a garden at one time to scare away birds. Oh, that's terrible. My nephew... <laughs> My nephew loves pigs and he loves to cook. So as soon as you said a pig cookie jar, I was like, that's really cute. Like my nephew would like that, but I guess. It's a cute pig. No. It's really weird looking. And I'm sure she probably paid a lot and probably got it from a foreign country. She was a big traveler. So she probably thought, oh, that's cool. But no, it was fucking ugly. So anyway, back to these freaking people. So. The funny thing is, he goes in, like, when he was talking to Mothman, him and his wife. Oh, I was just like, hey, are you here? You know he was in there talking shit, let's be honest. Okay? Mm-hmm. Probably they're provoking it if this shit really happened. Was he being all Christian about it? The first thing I thought is, that's my husband. I, I know exactly what happened. So all this shit's happening, right? So these dumbasses drive back to Point Pleasant. They go into the bunker, and they start telling off Mothman. Yeah. They're like, thank you, leave us alone, go away. You know, who do you think you are? And the husband gets thrown like six feet, like this Ooh. out of nowhere. So, of course, they run back, and she falls. Of course. <laughs> I mean, just so, like, cliche. So they get back, and 
the whole time her his wife keeps getting these calls on a blocked number and it's just like she thinks it's a fax machine at first and then it's just like screeching it's just random and oh yeah and the last time it called it said in this really bad voice i'm going to eat your light oh yeah so eventually all of a sudden she's hanging out in the bathroom and these huge, like, mud balls that are, like, red are being thrown at her from all over the house. Like, they're coming from nowhere. There's no windows open. Just these giant, all I can describe them as, is, like, mud balls. Like, splats of mud. Hmm. So, they end up moving. And, of course, when they leave the house on the show, they're like, Don't follow us! Stay away! Like, it's so dumb. Like, I don't know if I can believe this story. Because Mothman doesn't seem to be vindictive unless you were in there being an asshole. Yeah, he seems like he's always been seen outside. Like, why would he try to... Yeah. He stalked him, like, five hours away, and then he's just like, I don't know. Well, he's seven feet fucking tall with 12 wingspan. Why would he try to go inside of a building? And I actually wrote, I bet you $1,000 in tacos. I don't know if I was trying to say 1000 tacos or $1,000 in tacos, that this is all bullshit, and that... They were talking shit. If that happened, they were talking shit. I just don't buy it. Yeah. So, no talk out there. Don't talk things you don't understand. Don't talk demons, ghosts, Bigfoots, Mothmen, aliens, leprechauns, witches, vampires, nor werewolves. Werewolves. I said werewolves. (laughs) Dolls. Dolls. Respect the mysteries of the universe. Mm -hmm. So, the town of Point Pleasant, like I said before, they have an annual Mothman Festival on... The third week in September every year, except COVID year, um, they have a really cool Mothman statue. And like I said, they have a museum. So anyway, there's a stuffed Mothman on Amazon, like I said. So just putting it out there into the universe. Stuffed Mothman. Into the universe. Into the universe. I already told my husband. So it's like a fucking what? <laughs> so I have two stories. One is just from West Virginia. One is about a person who was really heavily involved in the supernatural and UFO mystery type stuff. Which would you like to hear first? Uh, Let's go West Virginia. I'm always curious about crimes in West Virginia. Okay. Harry Powers. So we're going way back. Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you've seen that movie. Thanks. No, thank you. (laughs) Um, No, this is... uh, we're going back. We're going back. He was born in 1893, so we're going way back here. A lot of this I got from AppalachianHistory.net and HerHerald.com. So Harm Drenth was from the Netherlands. Like I just said, he was born in 1893. He moved to the U.S. with his family in 1910. He moved to West Virginia and married Lula Struthers in 1927. Apparently his wife, Lula, L-U-E-L-L-A, Luella, Luella. I'm good with Lula. Lula, I don't know, whatever the fuck. He married her, and he was apparently not satisfied when it came to either romance or whatever. She wasn't fitting all of his needs. So shortly after they were married, he began taking out ads in the paper in the quote-unquote lonely hearts section oh all right he was super successful in this form of like romance he was getting 10 to 20 letters a day wow wow that's pretty good that's pretty good for back then i mean that's really good for now like on whatever the online sites are yeah that's pretty good i mean i don't i've never been on any of those sites the swipe, you know, left and right. Me thing. neither, but I don't know well, anyone that gets 20 a day. <sighs> well, some of those, I think, are made for just <laughs> casual <laughs> encounters. <laughs> yeah. 10 to 20 a day might kill you. <laughs> right? Oof. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. I digress. Yeah, I was, I'm not sure if he was writing, like, if he was just so good at writing or if these women were just looking for husbands because it's the 1920s and women couldn't do shit without a husband. So, like, maybe they just wanted a husband's name so that they could, like, own property or... They didn't want to be a spinster. Yeah. 
He claimed to be a furniture dealer, but his money came from marrying or promising marriage to wealthy women. So his that was his main source of income, was women would send him money. What the fuck? Right? We've that's still going this, on. <laughs> we've talked about this so many times of how people can do this shit. That's crazy. It, it is insane. It's bananas. So most of these women are widowed, which is how they came into their money. Uh, he would claim that he was on business trips for his furniture business with his wife, his first wife. That's, I mean, his only legal wife. <laughs> but he would say, I'm going on a business trip. I've got to go, you know, procure some furniture for my store. It's really not evident where he was selling this furniture. It seems very phantom. Like, it wasn't like he had a storefront. Oh. So I don't know what's going on. It's one of those, you know, kind of like what we talked about with Aaron Hernandez and we've talked about in so many other episodes of when the wife is like, okay, you do you. Like, you know, you're bringing in income and I'm not going to question it too much because you're elusive and fuck it. As long as you don't bother me and I'm getting paid, who cares? Right. Um, But Luella also, she owned a grocery store before they started, before they got married. So oh, she wow. had her own thing going on. So I don't think it was necessarily her just saying, hey, if you bring me money, I'll not ask questions. I think she maybe was. She was maybe she was shit. really ugly. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't see any pictures. He's ugly. I'll say That's that. Why. That's probably why. <laughs> when he was on his, quote, business trips, he was, in fact, courting his marks or his, you know, the other women. He would bring his new wives home to his home, which was really a cement underground lab. He had a (laughs) farm. So he had a farm, like it was a separate property than what he owned with his wife. And I'm not even sure that his wife knew what was going on there, but he had this underground lab and they had dubbed it. I mean, this is going way forward, but the newspapers dubbed it the murder garage. So it was outfitted so that he could tie up these women and gas them while he watched from behind a partition that kept him from the gas. That's so gross. Watched them die. It was was horrific. That's fucking gross, dude. What the fuck? Okay. So this is where it all comes to the head here. Asta. I want to call her Astra so bad. Asta Buick Iker and her three children, Greta, who was 14, Harry was 12, and Annabelle was nine, they were missing for two months. Her family oh. was worried and came across 27 letters from a man named Cornelius O. Pearson, coming from Clarksburg, West Virginia. Harry had come to collect his new bride and left the children for a few weeks with his family. Then he came back without the wife for the children. Isn't that fucking weird? That like, is weird. I I don't think it's that weird in the time and the place that if you were kind of sending away for a bride sort of situation, it was very common to leave children with family members for long periods of time. I mean, that's not unusual for, say, going on vacations or doing whatever. I mean, it was kind of like, the village was raising your kids. Right, right. Uh, but at the end, if I was away from my kids for a few weeks due to getting married or whatever the fuck, I would absolutely be there to come collect my kids. Like, I wouldn't be sending my new husband, their new stepdad, to go collect my kids. Like, what the right, fuck? You would miss them. Right. right. You would want to go back to get them. So this is why I'm like, that that's not the thing that sent you off first. Like, didn't <laughs> be like, okay, the mom didn't come. What is she fucking? She had too much sex. She's sore. She's sore. <laughs> I mean, they were on the honeymoon. Come on. So Harry takes the kids, right? He comes back. He says, Astra's blah, blah, blah. She's too You said Astra. We had. 
damn it. <laughs> so <Good> point place. <laughs> yeah. So Harry takes the kids and the family who was watching the kids started to get a little suspicious. Like they were asking, you know, where is the mom? And his story started to falter. So he booked it. He ran away. He took the kids, ran away. So the police from Asta's hometown in Park Ridge, Illinois, reached out to police in Clarksburg, West Virginia, to inquire about the man. They had no idea, but they traced the, the post office box that was rented in his name. It was traced to the house of a former vacuum salesman and grocer named Harry Powers. So Oops. remember previous I said he was the furniture man? Yeah. And he was just telling people all sorts of shit. He's traveling salesperson, basically, whatever they wanted to hear. So the police hung out around Harry's house until he came home, and then they arrested him. Shocking. Okay. There's no children around. They have nothing to arrest him for, but they decide they're going to arrest him. When they arrested him, he had five letters in his pocket. Jesus. To other women. So Sorry. an anonymous. It's okay. An anonymous tip from someone who lived around the farm property that Harry owned led police to investigate a cement bunker under the garage. It was accessible by a trap door. Oh, jeez. Inside, inside was a fucking mess. It was a mess of bloody clothing, burnt oh. bank books, and this is hard to hear, so, you know, bear with me, but... There was small footprints in blood on the ground, like child footprints on the ground. A 15-year-old farmhand had told the police that he helped dig the ditch on the property, not too far from the bunker, or his quote-unquote scientific laboratory. Authorities found the decomposing bodies where this little 15-year-old farmhand, although, you know, it's 1930s, so 15-year-old, you're probably, you know, all said to be married. So I say little boy. (laughs) That's relevant. They found the decomposing bodies of Asta Iker and her three children, Dorothy and Dorothy Lemke, another grown woman. Uh, Asta and her daughters... And Dorothy were all strangled, and Asta's son was beaten to death with a hammer to the head. Oh, he so it didn't even gas them. Just, oh, Mm -mm. that's so sad. He had been in communication with Dorothy from Massachusetts. He courted her and brought her to his home and convinced her to withdraw $4,000 from her bank, which is about $70,200 today. Then she disappeared. Well, until she reappeared with a belt around her neck in a ditch, because oh. they also found the belt on her neck still. Like, you couldn't even be bothered to remove it. You just fucking toss her in there. He's just absolute rubbish. Oh, rubbish. So, <laughs> he confessed to killing the five people that oh. were found on his property, but would not confess to any more, although the police were convinced that it could have been upward of 50 Five zero fifty wow. women. Wow. He also had an unfortunate accident while being interrogated. He seemed to have fallen down the stairs and broke his nose and had two black eyes. Oh. Yeah. Poor baby. Oh, poor thing. September 20th, 1931, there was a mob outside the courthouse <laughs> trying to kill him. The, the mob that was trying to kill him had to be gassed. And had to have fire hoses to disperse them. Oh, God bless they those wanted, people. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to get inside there to just rip him to pieces. I bet. Because, you know, it's 1930s, and he's preying on women and children. Widowed women. Oh, to, that's gross. So, for Harry Powers... I just almost said Harry Potters. <laughs> you got that in my fucking head. Fucking Harry Potter. God damn him. I knew there was something up with him. For Harry Powers' safety, they moved him to West Virginia State Penitentiary. Oh, good. I want him to be safe. He had a five-day trial in December and was sentenced to death 
He was hanged March 18th, 1932. Because back then they didn't fuck around. You got no. sentenced and you're out. Right. They didn't, so, they, you're right. They didn't fuck around. Yeah. And I hate to say anything is good news when talking about the death of someone, but he That's did not. News. He did not die right away. Oh, good. He suffered. You know. Normally, that would be terrible, but he hung for 11 minutes. Oh, that's not enough. Long fucking time. That's not enough for him. They suffered in that gas chamber. Being strangled probably felt like 11 minutes. Yeah. Jerk. Well, he's fucking, he's, he's just terrible. He's a terrible human being. So he's known as the Bluebeard of Quiet Dell. And I wanted to point out <laughs> that Bluebeard. Okay. Bluebeard is actually a word for a man who marries and kills one wife after another. It is like a black widow. It's the male version of a black widow. I've never heard that. That's interesting. But it makes no sense. But it's interesting. Did Bluebeard the pirate do that or something? That's Blackbeard. There's, oh, (laughs) you're right. I was like, no, there's a, no, you're right. (laughs) Okay, so... I had to look into this, right? Because I'm like, where the fuck did Bluebeard come from? Like, that's weird. Black Widow, I get. Like, they eat their mate. Right, their mate, well, right. It was from a French fairy tale written by Charles Perrault about a man who murders his wives. And the story was first published in 1697 in Paris. Oh. For anybody wondering, like me, where I'm like, where did you get that term like you can't just say things and have it be done like that's so (laughs) you're not in 2021 right we can't just say literally and mean figuratively and have it get (laughs) fucking put in a dictionary right uh let's let anything that ends let it end with let's that's our new thing oh god don't you dare you're gonna write webster and get it in the fucking dictionary and you'll say i heard it with aaron first I heard it first. You heard it here first. Folks. That's right. I'm on okay. the cutting edge. By the way, we have people, like, we have a few people in Ireland now. Hi, Ireland. Turkey. Aaron Gobra. Aaron Gobra. Aaron Gobralis. I don't know any Russian. I don't either. Vodka. <laughs> we have Polish listeners. Like, it's pretty cool. Somehow cool. we have listeners from around the globe. So, thank you. We love you all. If you ever said anything bad about your country, it wasn't on purpose. I'm sorry. I don't usually try to talk shit about other people's countries. We're stupid Americans. Just give us the benefit of the doubt. I'm not geocentric, though, I promise. (laughs) Shut up. What what are you pushing me? I'm kidding. I kid, I kid. Okay, my second story here. Douglas Scott Rogo. He was born February 1st, 1950 in Los Angeles. He was most well known for being a writer and journalist in the parapsychology field. He wrote a book with a man called Raymond Bayless called Phone Calls from the Dead. This book is really big in the parapsychology world and it's widely widely criticized. And I mostly due to its, I don't know what you kind of like a lack of professionalism as far as like how things are written and what not not the so actual data, yeah. <laughs> not the actual data, but like the way it's portrayed. But that's because it was written when Douglas Scott Rogo, who I'm just going to call him Scott because that's what his friends called him. And I feel like we might have been friends. So <laughs> you might be doing this podcast instead of me. Yes. He was 19 years old when the oh, book wow. was published. Damn, that's impressive. So, yeah, good on him for having that even happen, regardless of how it was expressed. It was a it was a book that we're still talking about, you know, now. That's a good point. Yeah, almost 100 years later, you know, what, 80, 70? Okay, time out 100 years later. It was in the 79. It was like 1979. Oh, I, I, he was born in 1950. That's what I was thinking. Sorry. 1969. It was written. Oh, my bad. Don't you be pushing 100 years on that. That's insane. My math skills. Okay. He, in this book, they explored people getting brief phone calls from deceased relatives or even strangers. Like they would get a phone call and it would be like three words or something and then it would be dead. Uh, it's almost like um, Stranger Things. Do you, okay. Did you ever watch that? 
show. Yeah. Like there, there's a connection between like the electricity and being able to communicate over a phone. Now we don't have landlines, so there's no electricity or, you know, it's all cellular data. Yeah. Right. Right. It's gender. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So he also believed that Bigfoot and other paranormal phenomena like Mothman and those sort of things were due to the observer's mind and the projections rather than than them being actual physical manifestations. So like with Mothman, which he did have a lot of things to do with Mothman as far as like his commentary and that sort of thing, he thinks that even though you can share the same vision, that it's a psychological manifestation, not that it's not there and it's not true, but kinda it's like math, mass hysteria. Yes. Kind of like that. So also fun fact, he played the oboe and English horn in the San Diego symphony. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And his the degree oboe. was in, his degree was in music. Huh? So he was very, what's the brain that is, what's, is it right brain or left brain? That's really like artistic and right brain. Right brain? I think so. Because it should be left brain, but it's right brain, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) He's really artistic and creative. So this this next bit, I got most of it from one of my favorite sources on the entire planet, which is psychologytoday.com. Such good articles. So Scott was found. This is is where it comes into true crime. He was found dead. He was found in a pool of his blood. On August 16th of 1990, he was only 40 years old. Oh. A police officer found him. He was living in the San Fernando Valley in a very nice home. His neighbors had called the police because Scott's sprinklers were running for two days. <laughs> now, side note, just for all of you who are not from California, if your sprinklers are running for more than an hour, the cops are called. Yeah. They're pretty fucking serious. I washed my car once in my driveway and yeah. I got yelled at and they told me they were going to call the cops on me for washing my car in the driveway during a drought. I honestly, I don't know. I'm not sure if we were still restricted to days of the week at this time. You know, we used to, it used to be like you can water your stuff from this time to this time on Monday and Tuesday or, you know, whatever, like different sides of the streets or the addresses. Right. Odds and evens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there was a time where cops were being called because their neighbors were watering their gardens on days that weren't their designated days. So I'm surprised it took two days. Honestly, I had a neighbor that used to water her driveway every freaking day. Like you could time it. It was in the late eighties, but she did it religiously weirdo it was weird it's a driveway dude whatever scott anyway yeah scott lived alone he was 40 years old there was no signs of break-in the officer that entered he entered through a side door that was not closed all the way it was known that scott was very nice to people who were really down on their luck like he was kind of the everyman he was a nice guy he was a really nice guy. It sounded like he was just a really good dude. Like he just, so those close to him thought, well, maybe he, hold on. Cracking that beer. Yeah. Um, Do we have to change the name to whiskey and beer? No, it's hard <laughs> seltzer. Oh, <laughs> whiskey and hard seltzer does not have the same roll off your no. tongue. No. <laughs> yeah. Those close to him thought that it was, you know, he just befriended the wrong guy or the wrong person. Right, it was, yeah, it was partly due to the fact that his wallet was empty and some small items around the house, like some things that you could bring to a pawn shop were missing. Nothing oh. big and, you know, extravagant. He was last seen two days prior to August 16th on August 14th in the company of a man. Uh, that's what the bartender at In Touch Bar, who is widely believed to be the last person to lay eyes on him. Scott was also, he was, I'm so confused as to even what the politically correct term is now, homosexual 
or gay. Like he was. He was family. Yeah. So it, to be in the company of a man would not be outrageous. Like, you know, he would. He kind of kept to himself, but like he would go out and have a good time and, you know, meet people and whatever. So his friends were like, well, he probably, you know, fucked around with the wrong person who took advantage of him because he was a very successful, very nice generous, guy. nice guy. Man, yeah. Just doesn't pay off to be a nice guy when you have money. Huh. Yeah, no shit. Or woman for that matter. So person. because Scott was in the world of paranormal and, you know, parapsychology and all that stuff, his friends brought in some psychics to find the killer. Oh. And to find out what happened to their friend. They thought, you know what? Friends. I expect you to do that for me if I get murdered. I fucking will, of course. And you know, it's not my hubby B. No. I, I don't think it'll be him, but. I'll fucking murder him myself. <laughs> the, the friends that brought in these psychics were thinking, well, if he was open to all of this stuff while he was in the living world, he might be open enough to be able to share from the other side to these psychics. That'd be cool. I get that. Yeah, makes sense. I would totally tell you, if you contact me from the outside, I will figure it out and get to you and tell you exactly who did it. Oh, my God. I would hope so. If you if you die, I hope you do it. But, like, be kind because don't give me a heart attack. I'm going to creep you out first. You know I'm scared as fuck. I don't like any of that. It'll be cute. Like, I'll put little, like, gummy bears out and I'll spell Aaron. Like, it'll be something really cute that you know it's me. Oh, my God. And then the I'll, sun I'll, will melt them, and they'll look like blood, and I'll be like, God damn it, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I won't use red gummy bears. Okay. It's got to be green or something. Right. Like well, I don't ectoplasm. want to be ectoplasm. <laughs> <laughs> Orange and white are my favorite. Well, I like green, too. It'll be spilled out in gummy bears. Okay. Fair. Or Cheetos or tacos. Yeah. The psychics. Yeah. Sorry. I got super lost. I get that. I've done that today. (laughs) One of these seers was a celebrity named Armand Marcotti. They brought him in. He said Scott knew his killer. He was, it was a crime of passion over money. The killer was named Al or Albert. He wore a uniform to work and he was Hispanic. He also said that there would be a fingerprint on a glass in the house that would lead to the killer. And so the glasses need to be re-examined. That's pretty specific. He was very specific. They brought in multiple psychics. So several other psychics all agreed that there were two men involved in this murder. One of them, one of the psychics said that there were originally three men and one left before like shit went down. Like they had all confronted him and then one left before shit went down. So it was, it was a consensus among these psychics about kind of what happened. Everybody kind of had the same general idea. Interesting. A man by the name of John Batista was arrested and tried for the murder. He was a 29 year old Hispanic. His name was not Al or Albert, but his and his fingerprint did not match anything from the crime scene. So that glass that the first psychic, uh, Marcotti, said, it didn't match. He was convicted, but his conviction was overturned in 1996 due to prosecutorial misconduct. Oh. And no one else has been arrested with connection to this murder, and the case remains open. Oh, I hate those. I know. They suck. I'm doing one next week. Great. Everybody bring their booze. Yeah. Jen and I are switching. Um, I'm doing a true crime one. I'm going to be so mad if you've heard this one before. I'm super going to be mad. I haven't heard it. Okay. And I thought it was super fascinating, although I freaking hate unsolved shit. I don't like to do it on the show because it's annoying. I know. You know who hates it more, though, is their family members. Oh, 100%. 100%. That's that's definitely true. Absolutely. But I have some we have some cool episodes coming up. I think. Yeah. I feel. I feel like I feel pretty good. Uh me too. Let's say bye to everyone. Bye. We appreciate you. 
We do. We appreciate you guys. I'm super excited just to have all of you listen. I wish you would talk to us on Facebook. Stop just, pandering. I'm not Aaron. trying to pander. I just, uh, I'm not working. I'm really lonely. And my husband works nights. And I oh just. Oh, my God. Are you filling out the Lonely Hearts column? What's happening? <laughs> I just, I like socialization. I mean, I will totally respond to you. I promise. You DM, you just make a comment. I always respond. So, okay. Shut um, up, Jen. <laughs> just because Jen. Oh, by the way, we're auctioning off a date with Jen. Shut the um, fuck up. It's five dollars on Patreon, and we're gonna do $5 a drawing. Five dollars is what I'm worth. No, it's a drawing. The no, more, the more five dollars you do, the more no. your chances are in the bowl. Mm. She's very pretty, so Mm-mm. you know it'll be a good deal. Nope, that's out. That's out. We're out. We talked about this. We've talked about you. Then, too. (laughs) We've talked about you getting yourself under control. Yeah, and that didn't work out. So, you know. And Marquan, if you don't put $100 into this shit, I'm not playing. Yeah, Marquan. We got dirt on you, man. I'm going to go on a date with Marquan. That's the only way that this is happening. Well, I want to go on a date with Marquan, too. Well, I live closer, so... I could say that. He doesn't listen. Whatever. Okay. Okay. We got to say bye. All right. Bye, Chico. Be kind. Bye.